police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified more victims and killed even more. And plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them and that he was also a necrophiliac. You are now listening to Grinding True Crimes with your host, Maddie Matt, Todd Fox, and Gabby Gab. Hey, 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 welcome into another episode of the Grinding True Crimes podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, along with our narrator for today, Todd Fox, and the other host of the show, Gabby. And we are here breaking it down, part two of Todd's story from last week. But before we get into it, I want to let you guys know where you can find us. First of all, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Just type in the Grinding True Crime Podcast and you can follow us and uh, comment on our page and leave us some uh, leave us a story or two to talk about. So follow us on there. And if you want to listen to us, you can go to Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, and Pandora. For those listening to us outside of the country, we thank you for always tuning in. Continue to listen to us on Podchaser, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Cast. If you guys want to purchase some merchandise, go to redbubble.com, type in Todd Fox 80. That's Todd Fox 80, and you can buy some merchandise courtesy of the grinds, Grinding True Crime. And always, listener discretion is advised. One last thing. If you could, please leave us a five-star liking on our page. We will greatly appreciate it. And we also appreciate all the comments we're getting. We try to respond to you guys as quick as possible. Thank you for all the love, even the negative comments. We appreciate that as well. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Uh, so I think I got all that out the way, Todd. Okay. We're ready to roll then. So let's let's kick it in. So tell us what you got, Todd. Part two, correct? This is part two. Uh, part one was Jack Unterberger from part one. Um, in this Bye. case... Huh? Oh, I'm sorry, not to cut you off, but by the way, wanted to apologize because I think uh, <laughs> last week, <laughs> last week you you had a an accent that was kind of German dialect, so we didn't want to offend anyone who's from Austria because we do know this Jack, um, Jack person's from Austria, correct? Yeah, because what it was is it turns out that uh, since there was some sort of conflict called World War II where mm-hmm. Austrians really don't like Germans too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they don't really like to be um, uh, mentioned in the same, you know, sentence or at least uh, as being one. So, uh, Absolutely. so, <laughs> so it didn't even occur to me when I heard the accent. You know what? Thank you for the comment. I forgot who it was. I, I was going to mention your name, but thank you for the comment for correcting us. Once again, we apologize. We make mistakes. So we own it. There we go. <laughs> I just, I just thought Austrian Arnold, and then you know, I went German after that. So yeah, on, on behalf of all of us here, there we go. So yeah, my see, bad, Todd. That's <laughs> cool. No, it's cool. Like uh, I just figured that I'll just do uh for for the bumbling cops instead of German voices. <laughs> we'll somehow have Southern uh cops in Germany and Austria. <laughs> we'll get to that. If you're Austrian, Todd. <laughs> I sure do. I sure do. All right. So let's jump into this one because we got a lot to cover in this one. Um, okay. Part, part two's got a bunch of twists. Uh-oh. Um, 
I suggest if you haven't uh, listened to part one, go back and check it out because last week we talked about the origins of Jack, how he grew grew up in a troubled childhood. Um, he turned from a petty criminal into a groping maniac and rapist of women and uh, getting convicted of murder and it getting overturned uh, because of his power of manipulation. And uh, he even did a lot of crazy stuff to get out of jail, which many of us in our wildest dreams couldn't couldn't do <clears throat> so check out part one if you haven't uh if you're starting here on part two so today we pick up on part two after the murder of blanca in vienna where her body was found she was a sex worker and um at this time uh he was uh in production of his play which was based off his book uh purgatory um, which was basically the life story of him growing up the way he did, going through everything, getting acquitted, and then his road to, uh, what is it called, redemption. So everyone was like, oh, what a success. And Austrian people were in love with this guy. He's famous. He's hanging out with everybody. He's making a lot of money. Um, now, by this time, the success of the book and the movie about his life and childhood and being acquitted it was starting to uh, not play out too much in the because uh, he was trying to play it for what it was. It just didn't get beyond the walls of Austria and Germany and Switzerland. So he was trying to make it an, a worldwide story, but it didn't didn't take off. And it was starting to, you know, get, uh, I guess, I guess out of the spotlight. So he came up with the idea okay. of making a play out of it. So there's okay. already there's already a book there's already a movie made for tv movie and uh now he makes a play to which the critics slam it and say it's it's terrible <laughs> so he's starring in it and some of those pictures that um i'll post it of him like you know being all like he's taking these like calvin klein like to sort of uh perfume type pictures from the late 90s and early 2000s <laughs> with his shirt off and, and trying to look all like sexy that's pictures of him from the play and everything else like that. He's trying to play it up. What was that guy from the nineties? That was uh, Fabio. There you go, Fabio. Fabio. <laughs> He's not as ripped as Fabio, but he is definitely trying <laughs> that look though. You're right. So, um, yeah. So he's he's you know he's been out of jail for a little bit. We all you know we we know that he's committed a you know couple murders, but he's kept it under wraps as he's doing this play. But as soon as he gets the bad news in the newspapers, them slamming him about his his uh, his play <sighs> on October or no, on January 5th of ni uh, 1991, which is a date, which something always happens. Write that down. Yeah. Uh, that same night as he was pissed off, telling a few people, you know, at the show, like, man, I can't believe it's all your fault. He's putting the blame on them. Mm hmm. Um, he meets a 26-year-old Heidi Marie, and uh, he basically says, hey, let's go have sex somewhere, blah, blah, blah. And she comes from a town in Austria, which I'm not even going to try to pronounce this name. Um, Don't she, do it, because if we stumble, somebody might say something. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Hey, try. <laughs> so actually, actually, no, this was December 5th. I'm sorry, it was not January 5th. December 5th. Oh, okay. She she winds up disappearing, and she would be found uh, a month later by two hikers in the Vienna woods. So remember the Vienna woods from part one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How long later? A month later. 
God. January 5th. Um, her panties were wrapped around her neck. And she was strangled and she was obviously assaulted sexually. Uh, her clothes, she was naked from the waist down, bent over in a prone position. And it appears that she was in a violent struggle prior with bruises mm-hmm. all over her body. Mm-hmm. And um, me- remember, this is Austria in the winter. So her, bo- her body was frozen in place. Frozen. Jesus. Yes. yes. I mean, Besides the frostbite, that pretty much preserved it, right? Pretty much. It preserved the crime scene and uh, also the knot. It was that same knot that had been seen in the other uh, homicides mm. with either the panties or the use of a bra. Are we going to be mad that they don't automatically tie it to him? Yes. <clears throat> oh. Yeah, spoiler alert. Yes. Of course. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, again, the Southern cops have made their way to Austria. <laughs> So we, we will hear from them very soon here. <laughs> okay. So you're gonna have to you're gonna have to deal with them since I don't have the best German or Austrian accent, okay? It is what it is. It is what it is, people. Yeah. We can't please them all. Exactly. <laughs> South shall rise again. Um, <laughs> but not in the way you think. Um so at the same time um that this murder or the body is found, his play is pretty much being canceled in the seven cities that he had it booked there was like hardly any attendance the people thought it was terrible so at the same time he's going crazy he's writing you know trying to keep his his cool and he comes up with a story about well well what do you think he he turned a play into something from his life something that's found in prison life he turned oh, it, into dang a- it why'd you say that i was gonna say the sound of music but uh, um, <laughs> no, he's not that deep. Okay. Uh, mm, dang, that's a tough one because you know, Austria. Aust- Aust- I can't even get the word out. Austria. Austria is more likely prison is different from what we experience in the United States. So, but this is know. or think think of prison in the late '80s, early '90s. What was in prison a lot. He made a play out of it. Am I? Are we thinking on the same page? I don't know. Are we? Okay. Uh, I'm gonna <laughs> say a lot of riots. You know, gang riots. Nope. Okay. Gabby. Religion. Nope. AIDS. Yeah. He I, made a I play. Was, I was actually thinking that the raping. Oh, okay. But, um, okay. Yeah, but I, I didn't want to say it, but yeah, okay. It still happens, though. Yeah, it still happens. But it, back then, it was high because of the AIDS epidemic. But think about it, AIDS. Like, like how, are you, how are you supposed to make it? I mean, look, the, the, the movie Philadelphia with Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington, mm-hmm. that was a very hard movie to make and to make successful. But they had a story, and you had two really A-list actors. You're talking about a guy... Who, yeah, he's had he he could use his previous celebrity to to get the play going, which he did. Mm-hmm. He's making it about the people that the awareness about AIDS. So it's not like it's a musical. You can't sing around like he's got AIDS, and you know what I mean. Like, like you're it's a serious subject, and you're talking about people dying. He's using his, yeah. you know, the people that he knew in prison, and then out of the gay, the gay community that were dying that he knew. So I mean I don't know what he was trying to accomplish with this play, but it it trashed um, harder than his life story. 
I mean, how do you make a play about that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I mean, tried- could, but who would who would want to? I mean, really? Yeah, that's a, that's not just a tearjerker. That's just a depressing. That's yeah. That's like if you're trying to go to Schindler's List, you know, on a Friday night to see a comedy, and Schindler's List is there. That's that's not <laughs> what you're gonna watch because I mean, it's, it's just a depressing movie, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, this was it was called uh, what was it called here? Uh, shoot, I wrote down the name here. Uh, oh, Scream of, of Fear. Scream of Fear. <laughs> Yeah. Scream of Fear. Scream of Fear was about AIDS. Yeah. I can get the title. I can I, I get the title. I don't know. I don't I, I don't get it cuz I I don't think you scream when you get AIDS, but the fear part, yeah. I mean the fear part, that's what I'm saying. The the, yeah. the fear part. Yeah, so th- this this play trashed in 2 months. So it was sacked uh right away. Um, so at that time in 1991, he was pissed off when they finally told him that, Hey, it's over with, there's no, you know, we're going to, your, your deal of plays is canceled. Didn't take him too long. Cause that was March uh, 2nd, March 7th, 1991 with no success on the horizon, his celebrity fading. Uh, he met a, another sex worker, uh, named Alfreda Shrimp. Um, who was working the corner? Uh, who was working a corner in Vienna outside the train station? Um, she would be scooped up by Jack, and he would take her to a remote place where he would strangle her. Before mm. he uh, before he strangled her, he mentioned he managed to persuade her to give her parents' phone number to him for some reason at the time. Wow! Then he murdered her. Whoa! Yeah. And go figure, before the body was found, a day or two before, her parents were getting phone calls uh, from someone disguising their voice and saying, hey, your your daughter's a sex worker, she's a whore, she's a slut, ha ha ha, just making fun of their daughter who was already deceased. How terrible is that? Wow. That's jacked up, man. Yep, yep. And... um her her body was found in the same position as the previous one and uh the same fashion bra uh, wrapped around her her neck she was strangled uh bent over um naked from the waist down beat up pretty good and uh again there was no evidence at the time mm-hmm. or there was only like a few fibers or something there wasn't anything that they could pin to any anybody really it was just yeah. trace trace evidence so it seems like he he has a a trail of which women to target. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, he did. And so um, those two murders, you know, would take place, you know, uh, around March, and uh, mm-hmm. this would then start a month long killing spree. So after those two murders, he kind of went cold for a little bit, and then we fast forward to April eighth, nineteen ninety one. And um, it's just a month later, he gets into this, uh, he, he gets a uh, random sex worker that he found by the name of Sylvia Ziegler. Uh, she was 31 years old, and she was also found in the Vienna woods, strangled and sexually assaulted. So the murders are now coming fast and furious, and the police mm-hmm. literally don't have any clues at this point. 
I mean, should they just stake out a little bit in that area? I, I, I don't know how big it is or whatever, but, you know, you notice that several women are appearing in this area being murdered, you know. Well, the, co- the couple of the couple of these right away, they're not being reported as missing and they're not found mm-hmm. right away. So that's problem number one. And then problem number two is when they do find these bodies, they're not really putting boots on the ground. You know, they'll be like, now see, here we go again. Now the Southern cops are in charge over there. And what's happening is they're telling them, they're like, hey, you know, uh, they're like, hey, Billy Bob, tell John that he's got to go on the street and start interviewing some of these sex workers because, you know, they just disappearing like, like, poof, right in the air. They're gone. And we got to find them. And then, and then some hikers find them. They'd be like, hey, you know, we out there shooting some duck and everything. And then we found a body in a prone situation. You might want to investigate. And then the sergeant's like, all right, now, don't tell me what to do when you come into my office. You see my legs on my desk? When my legs are on my desk, you just give me some coffee and then we'll talk. You just don't barge in here and tell me what to do. And so it's just meaningless conversation with no one doing any work. So... They're not investigating. That's your accent, Todd. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you You did. You owned that one. Yeah, you owned it. (laughs) It's just a shame because I'm trying to fit the area, man. I'm like miles and miles away. (laughs) Somehow they're out there with a Confederate flag in freaking Austria. You know what, though? Like, I don't care if you didn't have much clues at the murder scene. Like, you know a history. Look further. Yep. Start looking into this person again. Stake him out. And re- remember from part one, Auguste, uh, Auguste the uh, detective, the retired mm-hmm. detective, he had the first murder case and he suspected uh-huh. Jack. From, he suspected him. Yeah, he never could pin that first murder on him, but he was happy he went to jail for the second one. And because of this, he starts to get like very suspicious because he's reading the newspaper seeing that these women are are in the woods and the woods to answer your question matt are huge there's acres and acres of land so you can get lost up in there so so my idea of stakeout is out the door pretty much you, you, it's you, so big you know you don't know where to stake out <laughs> yeah you would need hundreds of police officers up there got you. to do that yeah so that, there's just he has free reign to that area got you ruled that out yeah, so b- because of this, Regina Prem, who's 33 years old, mm-hmm. or actually, I'm sorry, um, Sabrina Moxley would be the next one. She's 26 years old. She was found April 8th up in the woods, or mm. and so she was she was found dead. Uh, then April 28th, Regina Prem, thir- uh, 33 years old, uh, sex w- worker was found in the woods, but prior to being found, her husband. Um, was phoning it into the police asking if they could look for her she was a sex worker at night so he knew that she was apparently that's you know prevalent in that area because um it's austria yeah austria is like one of those places like it's a red light district so you can oh okay i got it's like amsterdam in a way amsterdam Mm -hmm. Uh so uh she she was married and uh her husband was getting phone calls when she disappeared and it was from Jack. Jack was taunting her and saying, you have a slut for a wife and all this other stuff. And he called the cops and the cops did absolutely nothing. Um, 
they would find her body 12 days later. So, yeah. And That's then, up. So this just continued to go. So the fourth victim was a 24-year-old Karina Roglu. <clears throat> um, she vanished uh, in May 7th. Um, she Her body would not be found for another month as well. So, this, yeah, so it would be another month before she was found. So you're talking about four murders in just about a month because it was from April to April 8th to May 7th. Including the and other. no no kind of DNA nothing on any of these bodies none and wow and I don't know if it froze over or I don't know how that works no it wouldn't froze freeze yeah, over yeah I'm gonna say it would be preserved right yeah it would be preserved actually so I don't know they never mentioned anything about DNA remember wow. DNA was just starting up though around that time but yeah that's true yeah that's I don't true. I don't that's know if it one. was that country though like if they had it established it over there because I know the U S was late 80s right for DNA mm -hmm. so. Yeah, um, so that makes, uh, unfortunately, six murders within the last, you know, four months. And then the, yeah. And, the no, I was just going to say, and as soon as he gets out, they just start racking and racking and racking. Like, they couldn't put their brains together and say, hey, this is this is too much of a coincidence. Yeah. The only one that was a goose. Was, goose, was, a goose. Yeah, he was the only one that wasn't fooled. You know, like he was the only one that was like, like I know it's retired him. and nobody was listening to him. He would go to him and be like, look, this guy, you know, I, I, he has a past and everyone's like, nah, man, he, he is such a good guy. Now, did you not see his movie? He can act. That boy can act. And then they're just like, they're like saying, no, he's reformed. He knows what he's doing. You know, he's a good guy. He works for the newspaper. Guy. And then Cletus gets up there and be like, dang, dang on, and, and I saw his play, and his play was really good. And yeah, you, <laughs> popcorn, you know, like Cletus. that's, yeah. <laughs> it's like they're so, they're so backwards, you know what I mean? They don't, uh, it's frustrating. Oh. Very it's frustrating, very frustrating. <laughs> yeah. So these, uh, these, these people are, allowing him because they're not investigating him to just do whatever he wants so his play falls apart we all know about that he's murdering these women he's still working part-time as a freelance reporter for the newspaper remember mm, yeah that's right now check out the cojones and just the level don't of, tell me of douchiness of jack don't tell me he's going to the report the crime scene <laughs> He's reporting from the crime scenes and he's Are you? he's wow. writing another investigative article by interviewing the sex workers in that area. <laughs> what a dog. Yep. What? What a creep, huh? So basically he's he's scoping out his next victim. Well, that is is probably what he did. So you're absolutely correct with that. My my thing is how is he not getting uh, recognized by the same sex workers that he's interviewing? Because obviously people have seen these women go with a guy that fits his description. So mm -hmm. that boggles my mind, too. He's putting himself right back in the, the murder area. Like, there, someone should be identifying him, I would think. I would agree. Yep. That's the problem, that people don't just automatically, like, become suspicious. If somebody who's reporting the crime scene, you don't expect that any of them could mm -hmm. be 
Yep. Like, oh, they're doing their job. They're trying to figure this out. People aren't thinking, hmm, let me look into him or him. Yeah, it, it's just, it's ridiculous at this point. And the the thing is, at this point now, you have eight, within the last eight months now, Austria area and the Vienna Woods and those, Prague, and those areas have now experienced seven murders in those woods of Vienna. That's crazy. That connect the three areas. That's crazy, man. <clears throat> yep. So, uh, in 1991, Auguste is just beyond frustrated. He's been reading the oh, newspapers. Yeah, he's been watching TV. Um, he's pissed, and he knows it's Jack Unterberger. He just can't prove it, and he's and nobody is willing to uh, listen to him. And he wants to expo- expose this creep who keeps getting radio time. He's still getting interviews and everything. And uh, how come he didn't stake him out himself? He's seventy years old and doesn't have the means to. He's he's one of these guys. that's like a smoker, you know, like a he's not the most in shape dude. Um, mm-hmm. He's so so he doesn't have the 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 chase in him to do that. But he wants to pursue. Like he has the want to pursue justice, but he needs help. He just doesn't have it. Yeah. So think yeah. about this. Think about this, Gabby. He's he's had this case on his mind now eighteen years. Eighteen years. Yep. Poor man can't rest. He can't, and it's his only unsolved case. So he's and in, in his in his career. In his career, yeah, he's he solved every one of his uh, homicides. Wow. Except this one. Wow. So he's it's safe to say he's going to bed at night, tossing and turning, like. <gasps> Jack! Jack! <laughs> you know, it's all freaked out. Poor guy. Yeah, very poor guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so he he makes a phone call in 1991 to the Australian, or the Australian, Austrian Police Department to let them know to be on the lookout for Jack Unterberger. He says, mm-hmm. hey, this is... Uh, uh, this is your prime suspect. He laid it out there. He's uh, he's sent a, a care package full of like his sort of like, you know, when they show those detective shows and they have like a whiteboard and it's got like all those strings tied to this. Paper. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all their clues. yeah, yeah. He sent them like a care package like that. And then they opened it up and the police looked at it. And what do you think they did? Um, they're Southern police, according to you. I'm going to say, well. That's okay. You know, he's a good guy. Let's just cover this up. <laughs> Gabby? They probably barely looked through it and put it to the side so they got more important stuff to look at. You're both right, with the exception of they said, hey, man, how can a guy that's reformed do something like that? Stop stop making this guy. He uh, he done paid for his, his discretions. He's a reformed young man. Leave it alone, old man. You're retired. And they laughed at him. Are you serious? They laughed at him. Come on, man. Yep. People like that should have the same consequences. I swear in my book, they would. For dropping the ball? For being that stupid and careless. Like, at least consider it. Try it. And then if you find nothing or you don't have proof or you did everything you could and you can't pin it to him, then... You couldn't do it, but at least freaking try. Don't just shove it to the side and ignore it, and then more and more people die, and you just go on with your job like you're the greatest at it. Yep. 
And and here's the thing that sucks is that so when he laid it out on the line and he got the response that he did from the detectives, he called the chief of police and he was told by the chief of the police department to let it go. Jack's not the man. He's reformed. He's not on their radar and never will be. Dang. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much it right there. Yeah, that was it. So August felt disgusted, sick to his stomach. He realized that Jack's power of persuasion and manipulation won over his freedom and over the police. The police had just dropped it. Wow. Yeah. They were looking in completely different directions than from Jack. The man standing right in front of you and you still looking behind him. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. So because of this, Jack is becoming more emboldened, more just ballsy. He's turning up at crime scenes. He's writing for the newspaper, basically writing on his own crimes. Oh, man. Yeah. (laughs) This guy, he's got steals. He does. He does. And uh, he got so cocky that he went to the Australian uh, Austri- keep saying Australian Austrian police department and talked to a detective by the name of Adele uh, Bakar and you're going to want to remember that name because he asked him for insight on some of the cases like he's like I need to know some of the details like how did these women die and uh, did, did, the, did the perpetrator leave fingerprints did he um, did he leave semen did this happen did that happen and the detective is at first raised an eyebrow like why are you trying to know so much you know information Mm -hmm. but because the power of manipulation and all this other stuff and the way that he could just talk himself in and out of things detective adele bakar said you know what all right all right let me give you some (laughs) let me give you some uh details on this on this uh case so told he him gave, everything he needed to know. Huh? He did. He did. He, and he told him basically because he's not the sharpest tool to shed right now. This detective. Okay. He gave him all the details, and he gave him all the suspects, and pretty much confirmed to Jack that he's not even on the radar. Mm. So, Jack left there very, very happy. I bet he had nothing to worry about. Yep. Yep. So, at this same. Yeah. Yeah. So at this same time, uh, a week or, or a couple days later, August had got had found out that Jack had talked to uh, Adele Baker, Bakar, and August wrote him a letter and said to take a look at his movie. You know, uh, there's some similarities to this this uh, this case, and so as he would watch the movie in a VHS back in the day, which is something <laughs> we used to all watch. Um, oh, good times. Movies on. Uh, his wife, while wa- while yeah, making him breakfast, knew about Jack's story. She read his book. Mm-hmm. And she started to tell uh, the detective, Bakar, about the cases and about how he was convicted as a killer. And she mentioned the tying of the bra and, or the panties around the neck. And that raised the eyebrows of Adele. Now he's like, uh, and now it's making sense. Now it's making sense that 
he could be a legitimate what if august was correct this entire time mm -hmm. what if he just had the killer in his office and he just gave him valuable information and let him go mm -hmm. and that's not even the worst part of it oh dang why where's the twist here's a twist so when they had the conversation about everything that happened in the case cases and everything else like this, Jack had a question because he knew that Detective Bacar had spent time in, of all places, Los Angeles, California. Mm. And he had lots of contacts in the LAPD. Jack had asked him if he knew of any of these contacts because Jack wanted to set up some time in Los Angeles to not, to not only talk about because at the time in the 90s crack, drugs, murder mayhem was big in Los Angeles you had gang mm -hmm. wars um, the, the homicide rate was as high as it is in Chicago now in Los Angeles mm -hmm. so you're, you're talking about 800 to 1000 homicides a year wow Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Los Angeles homicide was was huge back then. Bad in the nineties. Yeah, and so the area that's well protected now around Staples Center, downtown Los Angeles, which is clean and and it's actually really nice, and you don't have to worry too much mm -hmm. about being down there, was a death trap if you were a tourist or you did not know where you were going. You make a wrong turn, you could be mugged at least. And it's a bunch of one way streets down there. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you, there's muggings, rapings, murder. I mean, that Absolutely. that was. Yeah, it was a oh, terrible place. Scary. Oh, yeah, downtown L.A. did not look like it did back in the 90s. Nope. Now, yeah, it, it, now it looks like New York. Well, well they, they, yeah, the clean part of New York. Yeah, yeah the clean part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this this was um, this was a very seedy area. Mm -hmm. So so Jack's whole thing was, you know, seeing it in movies. He's like, maybe I can get down there. I could talk to people in the movie industry. I can get my biography made to English, and maybe it'll take off over there. And at the same time, I could write for the newspaper about Los Angeles being like the heart of the sex workers and drugs and how they risk their lives, blah, blah, blah. Right. Like he's he's so he's using his connections to get to Los Angeles. And guess what? It happened. Uh, and that stupid officer let him go. Yes. Plus, he gave him contact information of officers that would let him ride along with them. Mm. So. A ride along, you know, is one of those things where they're able to mm -hmm. get in the police officer's car and they stay at a safe distance, but they get to experience what a police officer has to go through. So he's going to the worst areas on purpose to, to see and to get firsthand interviews and, and, you know, to tell the story of Los Angeles and their, their street life and, and of sex workers compared to. This is a very crafty man. It is. It is. So um, he slipped out of their hands, man. He left Vienna. So right when, you know, Detective Bacar is like, dude, we got to tell this guy. He's gone because it's June 11th, 1991. Jack Unterwerker landed at LAX International Airport in Los Angeles, California. Wow. So, so yes. <clears throat> and here's another twist. Another one? Another twist. Uh-oh. He... Can you can you tell me what hotel he checked into? Uh, downtown. Famous hotel. Uh, what's that one? What's that one? Ah, shoot. 
right by the train tracks. Can you name the? Can you name a case from it? Because there's plenty of cases with it. Can't think of it right now. Gabby, that one that closed down, right? That's supposed to be haunted. Well, yeah, they're they're um, what is it called? They're refurbishing it, so it, it's going to reopen here this year. But it did close down recently. It's the Cecil Hotel. Cecil, okay, I wasn't thinking that one. <clears throat> That's the one that is best known for. It's drug dealings in the 70s and 80s. A lot of people died. Suicides. Uh, mm-hmm. People were thrown out of windows. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. It's a That's big... Jumping out of windows. Don't, yeah. yeah, it's a big hotel. People, um, you know, OD'd on crack or heroin. Um, uh, you know, there was constant rapes. It was just a dangerous place to live in because you had a lot of people living there week to week, month to month type things. Mm-hmm. And uh, so people came and go, went all the time. But it's most famous for two people. Uh, Lisa Liam, I think in the mid-2000s or, or 2010 or around there, she's that one that was pressing the the, the – um, she's on camera pressing the cra- – you know, her hands were going crazy and she's pressing the buttons on the elevator. Mm-hmm. And, and she winds up being found in the water tank. Mm-hmm. And they don't know how she got in there. People thought that she was murdered. Uh, mm. There's very, I mean, if you if you haven't seen it, you got to check out the Cecil Hotel on Netflix. It's a good series. Um, it'll talk about the complete history of it. It's uh, but the way she dies and the way that people find out about, oh, I, I don't. Okay, I'll get into a little bit of it. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I won't tell you how she got up in there or how they think she got up there because there's there's no cameras to it. But she winds up being butt naked in the water tanks because this is an old hotel built in the early 1900s. Their water tanks are on the top of the, the hotel, which is like a 16-story building, I believe. Mm-hmm. And their water all runs through that. And the water was coming out funky, tasting weird, and sometimes looking a little brown. Her body was decomposing in the water tanks. Oh, People brushed broke. their teeth with the remnants of her... Ew. Or they took showers. Gross. Yes. That's how they were able to be like, hey, there's a lot of complaints about the water. You might want to check the tanks. And then that's when they found her body up there. That's pretty gross. That is gross. (laughs) So, yeah. I haven't had nightmares for decades. Yeah, exactly. And then our first ever case that we ever did on Grinding True Crime. Mm Mm-hmm. the, their most uh, famous visitor was the Night Stalker himself, Richard Ramirez. Who That's he right? Yeah, he lived there for two months, and one of the cases he committed a murder just down the street from the hotel, and ran through the hotel butt naked because he had to get rid of his bloody clothes before he got back to the hotel. His feet still had blood on them, and he tracked blood into the hotel, and the police never investigated that one. Oh, surprise, surprise. Yes. So, wow. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, that was, and he was a crazy serial killer in the early early 80s. And that is also has been turned into a Netflix um, documentary and a really good one. So, if you want to see that one, check that one out on Netflix. It's The Night Stalker. So, I'm definitely interested in the Cecil Hotel one. Yeah. Check out both those. Those are really good um, documentaries. I think the Cecil Hotel is like a two-parter, I think, and then the the uh, Night Stalker is like a four-parter, something like that. All right. Yeah. So, so he checks in at the Cecil Hotel. Um, 
but he prior to him leaving he was also you remember he was a uh, a bastard son his his father was a u.s army um uh, officer. oh yeah that's right yeah so that was another reason why he was coming to los angeles because the rumor was that his father he never met was in the los angeles area mm. so he would spend a month um or just about a month or a couple weeks two three weeks looking for his father and to no avail he would not be able to find him the context that he had to help to that told him that he was in los angeles were like oh you know what he's not in los angeles so he struck out with that wow so he never found him never found him no so this would what make was he trying to find his father for i i guess just like he wanted to go to Los Angeles for that story. He wanted to get into some trouble, obviously, and he wanted to find his father for whatever reason. I mean, he was having daddy issues, I guess. Maybe closure? That could be, yeah. Maybe murder. Yeah, maybe you he wanted to kill him. was there in my life. <laughs> but unfortunately, maybe because maybe he wasn't able to murder his father like Gabby thinks, uh, someone would pay the price, though, for his temper. Oh, man. Yeah. Um. June 19th, 1991, uh, Jack uh, would go on the hunt, and uh, in the Los Angeles area, he would run into a sex worker, 35-year-old Shannon Exley, on the corner of 7th Street, uh, just about a block away from the Cecil Hotel. Um, He would pick her up and take her out of the city to where it's sort of like East L.A., Boyle Heights area. Mm Mm-hmm. And he took her to a warehouse where it had like a parking lot behind it. Um, they mm-hmm. had they had rough sex. So then when uh, she was least expecting it, he uh, took her bra that she had taken off and s- tied it in that specific knot around her neck and strangled her. Gosh. Yeah. So she's she's dead, left in the parking lot, just like that. And now because he did that that is his unofficial 11th murder at this point 11 11th murder only now they don't have a way to connect it to anything exactly and not only that <clears throat> remember he's killed in three countries yeah because those those countries are different over there on the other side mm-hmm. this now makes four so this is the fourth country he's murdered in in the 11th I mean, and he's miles and miles away. Yeah, he's now an international serial killer. Yep. What a bastard. Yeah, this guy's on one. Um, I don't get it. Like, so he enjoys just being a murderer. It's not even about covering up what he's doing. Because if he's doing this to sex workers, I mean, if you got what you wanted from them, why are you killing them? He's probably disgusted of what they do. If you're so disgusted, why are you doing it with them? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, see, that's a that's a hard thing. I think Gabby would be one of those that would go in there and she would be like, uh, what, what's that show, um, my, uh, Mind of uh, Murder or something like that, where they um, they just try to get in the, the psychopath's heads, you know, by yeah. I think Gabby would be good at that. She, she'd have more questions, like, <laughs> you know. Because she'd get them to talk. Because a lot of these psychopaths, they like to talk. So I think Gabby would would wind up getting the answers in the long run, you know. Either that or she'd have a machete and be like, listen, you talk or your weenus goes. (laughs) (laughs) Don't try me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. 
He'll be singing like a canary. She's all sharpening it right now. She's being, it's a shame if this had to cut something that you value. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> I'd be talking. I'd be like, what do you want to know? Man, I'll be singing like a canary, man. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, this psychopath, though, speaking of psychopaths, after he murdered Shannon Exley, what do you think he did after the murder? Went to have a good dinner and then went back to his hotel and slept great. Um, I'm going to say he, he went back to the body and, I don't know, necrophilia. No, no. You're, you're thinking too much of uh, Jeff's story. but <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but that, what he did was um, he decided, hey, he's like, hey, I'm in L.A., Let's go see the sights and sounds. So he turned into he flipped a switch in his head and became a tourist. He he oh. went <laughs> yeah. What? After he didn't kill someone? Yeah, he he went through the you know those little uh janky little, little buses? Yeah, the little tour buses where it's like, hey, let's go mm-hmm. pass by OJ's house, you know? Like <laughs> <laughs> he got on those and he's touring Los Angeles, Beverly Hills, West Hollywood. Wow. Yeah, exactly. He even was like, Hey, there's a gay and lesbian parade. Let me take photographs for the newspaper. Yeah. He just started doing that. It's because this guy don't feel anything anymore. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. He has no remorse. Well, I'm not going to say he ever did, but it's just whatever to him. Absolutely correct. So, I mean, probably uh, too, because he's killing sex workers, nobody's really going to be looking for them. Looking for them in a sense. Yeah. So he's just, he's just going about his business like whistling while he works so um he's he's trying to so then speaking of work he tries to get back to work he's like hey you know what i only got a a a couple more weeks here i gotta i gotta start doing what i was supposed to do for the newspaper so Mm -hmm. he contacts the lapd he talks to them he he gets the uh sergeant to to uh steve staples to uh do the ride along. He starts taking all these candid pictures of sex workers during the day at night. He's going to Skid Row, which is a terrible area even to this sure day. Sure is. Um, he's, you know, it's a depraved, cracked out area. You know, a lot of unfortunate people down there, plus people that mm-hmm. put themselves down there. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack went down there. He was so cocky, wearing designer clothes. He was not scared, and for some reason, nobody mugged him. He's a, you know, wow. white as day Austrian in downtown Los Angeles. Wow. And he's going up to get this sex workers, drug dealers, and pimps and interviewing them and not getting any blowback whatsoever. Well, hey, man, he's got to be one of the it's boldest, baddest Austrian man there is, man. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, he was, he just didn't, didn't care and, and really didn't figure on anyone beating him up. Now, he's not the biggest dude. I'm pretty sure he could hold his own, but I would think a guy, a Los Angeles dude, would be able to kick his butt. That's just me. But Hey, I don't know, man. I don't know. Who knows? He, he's bold. I'll give him that. Yep. So, <clears throat> again, now we're talking about another date. Mm-hmm. It's June 28th, 1991. And Jack was feeling frisky. And um, and again, to go back to Gabby's point, Jack is a good-looking guy. He's you know like sex workers. I I don't get that angle except for what she said and you said they're not really missed. Other than mm-hmm. that, I mean, this dude could pretty much pick up whoever he wanted. He was a semi-celebrity, so 
it didn't make any sense, but <clears throat> he picks up a 33-year-old Irene Rodriguez. Um, she came from El Paso, Texas, just two months prior, and uh, she was a sex worker because she was trying to, uh, you know, make up and feed her heroin addiction. And oh. she, she also, too, uh, stayed at the C- Cecil Hotel they ran into each other in the lobby. She went out to work. He saw her at work and was like, hey, aren't you that girl from the hotel? And then she's like, yeah. And then he's like, well, let's go out. You know, like, I'll pay for you. You know what I mean? Like, just took her up as a John. Mm-hmm. And he took her out to Boyle Heights, found another abandoned warehouse, raped her and murdered her and left her completely nude with a syringe next to her body. That's all they found. This guy's sick, man. Mm-hmm. And the LAPD did not link these two to these two murders together at this point. Didn't link them at all. Was she found with a her neck tied? Yes, that's why I forgot to tell you. Yeah, same way. Mm. Didn't link them. What? Mm. Yeah, didn't link them. <laughs> oh. Well, them cops them came all the way from south to yeah. <laughs> to LA. <laughs> Like, wow, it's hot out here in Los Angeles. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's this one. pissing me off. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's stupid how they're not linking this together. And then you have finally the other cops are, you know, wising up in Vienna. And this dude's just going about his business in Los Angeles. So on July 3rd, 1991, he ran into 26-year-old aspiring well was aspiring actress sherry long um she tried the hollywood scene tried modeling Mm -hmm. and everything else like that didn't work um she got in with the wrong crowd started using drugs it's the typical backfired la la story of a girl from back east or whatever trying to make it big and it Mm -hmm. just all going wrong um so she would get hooked up on on or hooked on um, cocaine and she became a sex worker but she worked the area of Sunset Boulevard yeah. and uh, well Jack was driving through that area and he saw her actually riding along as a uh, you know in one of the police cars when he was doing that and he actually went back to his hotel got his car and came out there and picked her up yeah. and uh he did not go to Boyle Heights this time. He took her to Malibu, which is 30 miles north of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very nice area. You guys have been there. I've been there. Yes, it is. Um, very A lot of lookout spots, viewing the ocean, fancy mm-hmm. houses, just beautiful area. Why would he take her <clears throat> over there? Because he found like a lover's lane area. And they thought oh. she thought, all right, he's going to give me like a pretty good night pay me pretty good because she's not your normal sex worker she's she looks pretty even though she's drugged out she was a pretty woman to the end you know and uh unfortunately um he gets her in in that prone position and murders her so you know she's in an area where even if she screams he didn't even he didn't even care to gag her because he would try to like you know hold the mouths of the other women or as he strangled her they really can't yell as he was beating her up like he took her his time with her you know, before before he strangled her because they were in a remote area of Malibu where just no one was going to hear him. Dang. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, her body would be found eight days later by, by again, some hikers. And unfortunately, this is the first time where the L.A. detectives said, okay, and because maybe it happened in Malibu, the Malibu PD were looking for cases that fit this one because they found the bra around her neck. And lo and behold, when they called the LAPD, they found out they had two cases open just like it. So LAPD's like, hey, that kind of looks like one of ours. And then Malibu's like, uh, yeah, that's what we're trying to tell you. Oh, okay. So there could be a similarity. There is a similarity. It's all the same killer. We'll get back to you on that one. <laughs> so that's how, that's how that went down. So that's how that went down. Huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so think about this too, guys. I mean, if you, if you know your history, we've done a lot of cases on California around this time. Mm-hmm. There is serial killers up and down the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's just a lot of serial killers. So the LAPD were like, God damn it, dude. We just took two or three off the books. And we got a brand new one. So, yeah, this this guy just killed three within the span of, like, less than two months. That's bad. Yeah. All bad. So LAPD were just starting now to start a task force. And as soon as they started the task force on the possible killer with they had really no leads except circumstantial stuff someone had said that they saw a guy with a leather jacket which jack had a leather jacket but they had no idea who jack was other than the fact that they were helping him see the area and what to avoid and what to look out for Mm -hmm. wow yeah so so jack just played the system and, and as they start the task force july 21st boom He's flying back now out of Los Angeles to Austria. So he left. I had a wow. feeling that's what was coming. Mm-hmm. So he slipped right on the radar. He sure did. He sure did. So um, finally, the detectives, you know, while Jack was gone, finally reached out to August and, and got his story of everything. And they were like, hey, you know what? There's you're you're right you know there's parallels to these murders and jack and the the time frames and where he was they're similar and uh they realized oh crap he was in los angeles and they reached out to los angeles pd and los angeles pd were like hey we have something to sound just the same did you steal our paperwork they're like no 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 these are homicides that happened over here and then they're like Oh, okay. Then we got the same serial killer. How about that? (laughs) They realized they had the same guy. So so finally they realized. Yeah, they realized that it's possibly Jack. They have to prove it, though. Yeah, if I'm August, I'm I'm yelling at them. You stupid idiot. I tried to tell you all this time that... I I don't know. That's just me. More women are dying. Yeah, too many women are dying. If if they, they would just listen to him. Exactly. Yeah. So <clears throat> he comes back to Austria, and oh, there's all this buzz around the police department. Now, there's this reporter by the name of Peter Grolick, and mm-hmm. he's like one of these nosy police reporters from back in the day that would just hide out, pay other cops for information. Mm-hmm. And he was starting to get information that they were suspecting Jack. 
So he did his own investigation, got in hold of the LAPD officers, got to know what they knew. He even read about what August had said in the newspaper, all this other stuff. And he even found out that that Adele Bacar, the, the Vienna detective, had given him information. So what does the reporter do? What? He writes a long article about the entire case, basically pointing the finger at Jack. Wow. And the Doesn't now- that make it like, isn't that like a risky thing to do? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But this this reporter doesn't care about the case. He cares about making headlines. He's, he's wanting to get paid. So he's writing this jeopardizing the entire case. Mm. Not just that, but dude, you're putting your life at risk, too. That is true. I didn't think about that. Jack could have went right after him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what this did was this caused intense, intense paranoia by Jack. And he went to Adele Bakar four days after the report in the newspaper and said, Hey, um, am I being, uh, you know, considered as a, uh, uh, a suspect at all in this case? And Adele Bacar was playing stupid. He's like, no, man, you're reform, man. Like, why'd you even come down here? We're good friends. Right. And he's like, how about some coffee? And like, they just were cordial. But as soon as he left, he had no idea that the entire time that he had come back from Los Angeles, he had been under 24 hour constant surveillance. Wow. The police constant 24 hours. Doing their job. They were finally doing their job, yes. Mm. And so now everybody wanted to talk to August. You know, they all wanted his, his, his what did we do now? You know, like, you know, and, and, uh, and and he he must have been thinking, man, what a jackass this Bacar guy, you know, like he didn't listen to me this entire freaking time. Mm-hmm. And all the supposed rumors that that they were saying August was spreading were all true. So, uh, September sixteenth, just a couple weeks later, uh, Jack comes back to Adele Bacar and says, "Hey." are these rumors true about me, um, you know, being investigated? And he doesn't realize that he's under surveillance. Mm-hmm. And so Bakar lies to him and says, no, nah, you're just one of a hundred suspects only because that stupid reporter wrote that article. We just got to verify some of your alibis and you're going to be taken off because, you know, Hey, you made that movie. You know what I mean? Like you're good. <laughs> hey, you made that movie. Yeah. <laughs> you're on that picture thingy. So you're good, man. You're like popular and stuff. Like, how'd you get in that little box I watch? <laughs> so that's what happened right there. They were just like, okay, like blowing smoke up his butt. And he believed it. Wow. So, so um, you know, um, Jack was, he made one mistake, though, that caught the eye, you know, because they, they're looking, because all they have is circumstantial stuff. And he lied, though, on his alibi saying that he doesn't know how to drive. Like, he gets driven places. He takes public transportation, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but under surveillance the entire time, because he's like, how can I pick up these women? I don't even drive. Under surveillance the entire time, they saw him drive from place to place. They saw that he has a license. So he was lying about that. And so they're like, well, if he's lying about the little things, imagine the big things. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, at, the, at this, the police were, were very... Um, skeptical 
And so all this is going on, they're trying to build a case against him. Um, in October of that year, he winds up meeting an 18-year-old by the name of Bianca Toller. No. <clears throat> yeah, at this time, he's 42 years old. But he's being watched. Yeah, he's being watched, yes. So um, well, then everything should be good. Well, let's find out. <laughs> all right. Um, he confronted her at a at a uh, at a local establishment, like an eatery, and he started mm -hmm. bragging about her or about himself and saying who he was and how he writes for the newspaper and how he's been on TV. And she fell for it, and the two began to start dating. And the whole time they were under surveillance, um, he's, you know, she's like, "Hey, you know, I I need to get away from my controlling mother. Um, she's very she's very hard on me." and He's like, well, you know what? You know, I, I like you. You're very attractive. They start having sex. And then he's like, hey, you know what? You can stay with me in my apartment. And she took him up on the offer. And the, wow. the, oh, Lord. And so the police were like, hey, you know what? Like, he is could he be her dad. Exactly. Exactly. And and he's like, you know, the police are like freaking out because they're like, do we move in? You know, like, what do we do? Like, and they're like, well, he hasn't committed a crime. We just have to, you know, so they're like, very, they're like, I don't know. We don't want another woman to die in our hands, but wouldn't he take her somewhere else? Isn't this a little weird? What if he's actually in love with her? Um, so they're, they're actually videotaping him having very wild sex with her, uh, buying her lavishing things. Um, but he's controlling. He has a lot of famous friends. He does not want them to see that he's with an 18-year-old. So he leaves her at home. He forces her to stay home. He's always on top of her about cleaning around the house. And for some reason, she's like, all right. Like, <laughs> she goes from one controlling household to another. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. in the time she's getting it, that's why. Probably. Maybe that's. <laughs> I guess new scenery. Yeah. Yeah. So in November of 91, uh, Jack tells her, Hey, you know what? The book sales have been down. Uh, I, I I'm having a little trouble paying bills and things like that. I need you to get a job. Cause you know, she's home all day. <clears throat> she basically is sex slave without, yeah. her, without her even knowing it. Um, so he's like, hey, I, I got you a uh, a job, you know, like like you just got to go down to this escort service. You're going to be working the front desk as a greeter, you know, like, you know, getting the Johns to their women that they're going to sleep with. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you would think, OK, you know, I should pay pretty good money. So she goes down there and she talks to the manager that Jack hooked her up with. And the guy's like, all right, so um, here's what you're going to do. Um, this is going to be your room right here. And uh, when we do roll call, when uh, John comes, you're going to come out and he's going to look you over. And if he wants you, he takes you to the room. And she's like, wait a minute. Aren't I the greeter? And he's like, huh, no, honey, you're going to be having sex. You're going to you're an escort. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she ran home and told him off and, and was yelling at him and saying, you're pimping me out. You're pimping me out. I can't believe you. So what do you think happened after that? He got into a rage, and she's next. I concur. He what? I concur. He <laughs> got into a rage, and uh, she's the next victim. Now, see, that would make sense because of what's been happening this entire story. But no, the twist happen oh, wow. happens in this story where she slaps him, she runs, 
He runs after her. The cops are about ready to pounce on them because he they think he's going to kill her. He comes over to her, twists her around real, real, real violently, and then gets down on one knee and says, will you marry me? And she says, yes. Stop. You playing. Stop playing. <laughs> nope. That's what happened. Stop playing. <laughs> that's, what, that's what happened. Real. Bruh, stop it. <laughs> that's what happened. Yeah. That don't even sound right. <laughs> Even the cops are like, ah, what happened? <laughs> what the heck? And they had their guns out there. Oh, wait. <laughs> they're like, they're like, all right, shoot, shoot. Oh, he proposed. <laughs> oh my god. What? They're all like hugging each other, like, she said yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. That was definitely a twist because I did not expect that. Me neither. I thought he was going to kill her. Mm -hmm. I thought so too. So the cops were like, okay, this is getting just insanely crazy. Like, like, what's going to happen next? So they're like, you know what? Maybe we should do some investigating because I remember through the police academy that that usually helps solve cases. So so they decided... They decided to do. I see what you did there, Todd. Yeah, they decided to actually do their job, and they went on the street and started asking sex workers, showing the pictures of Jack, and and like stuff they could have did months prior and mm-hmm. gotten results. And they went out there and they started to get answers to their questions. Like people, like some of the sex workers were like, "Hey, he." inappropriately touched me or when I refused he grabbed me or he tried to pull me in a car and so like they were like wow he's assaulted quite you know more women than we thought Mm -hmm. and so they were starting to get answers and one of them actually came forward and said he tried to force me into a car uh, on the same street a week later where Brunhilde one of the first murders was found or was taken from in the uh, the Graz area so wow yeah so she could have been one of his murdered victims but that puts him in that area where that woman brunhilde was uh murdered Mm -hmm. at the same time so vienna pd the Graz police department uh uh, prague uh german authorities they're all starting to gain gather more and more evidence and they're starting to put more police officers and detectives out there to get more uh st- sworn statements all the while he's out there just having a fun time with that 18 year old bianca i was about to say they're keeping a low profile that they're they're on to him basically right pretty much yes gotcha okay but they get married in, in wow in, in uh in late uh late december right before christmas you know the the two you know those those two lovebirds you know i mean who are... how the heck are you trying to pimp me out i'm offended oh please marry me oh yes wait matt never tried to send you to a brothel or to a uh hey man, hey man hey man hey hey hey, hey. <laughs> don't worry about what i did what's wrong with you matt i mean come on <laughs> don't worry about my my plans bro. <laughs> he's like wait it's in the future it's in the future he just got smacked, by the way, for the record. Will you marry me again? No. <laughs> yeah, something tells me, Matt, it's not going to be the same result if you try that. So nope. Just call it a hunch. <laughs> it'll be just, it'll, it'll be one less person on the show. <laughs> no, you're just going to turn into a eunuch overnight. 
<laughs> what was Lorena Bobbitt's husband? Exactly. Yeah, John Bobbitt. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, man. Damn, uh, this story is going, it's driving me crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 crazy. So he, so they put together this task force, and finally the police, they're all working together. Even the LAPD and the FBI have joined. So it's like a multi-country thing. They're all feeling. The LAPD is on. Okay, all right. Now it's on. Yeah, they got they got everybody right. So they're all feeling good about themselves. They're pumping up their chest. They're like, "Yeah, we're gonna get this guy," you know, and. What Jack does is he stays a step ahead of them. So this entire time while he's married to Bianca and they're getting things together, he uses his contacts in the police department to find out that they're investigating him. They're putting something together. So he takes off him, him and yeah, him and Bianca head for Paris and yeah, they, they jam, they take off and February 15th, the, you know, the police and the, the, you know, they had this huge thing where they, they you know how they, they um, sort of like surround a place and then they go in there with a SWAT team and everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And not, they knock down his door and find an em- just about an empty apartment. Mm. He had left. And this is while being surveilled. He still got out of there. Mm. And he clearly wasn't being exactly. surveilled. Yeah, they probably were just like falling asleep or something and then he just gone. They're like, this is taking too long. Let's get a burger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And well, the thing was that they got some like circum not circumstantial, but they had gotten some evidence that um, he could pretty much you know go to jail just on this because again he was on probation still, and they found a knife, a gun, a can of mace, handcuffs, and uh, they also found pictures of him in Los Angeles uh, working with the police department at the hotel where he was staying, uh, sex workers that he photographed. And they found a leather jacket with hmm. a red scarf that was bushy, uh, fur on. Oh. Had bushy. Was fur he on. trying to be Tomb Raider? <laughs> it sounds like it, right? <laughs> Man, but uh, either that or Indiana Jones, one of two. That 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 part. But that scarf, keep in mind, and that jacket, keep in mind. Okay. Um, so they confiscated all that stuff, and the search was now on for him. Um, they had went to Switzerland prior to Paris, my bad. Um, and then they then they took off for Paris. Uh, Detective Geiger was one of the most famous detectives in the, the area of Vienna. He took charge of the case. And working with the LAPD and the FBI, um, they they also confirmed all the, the cases with the, the strangulation. So they knew it was him. And the LAPD provided um, information about several people seeing jack in the area with that same leather jacket because they mm. they sent the pictures of the jacket and the scarf to la and and they were just getting all these people signing off on and the, yes they saw him wearing the jacket so they now knew that uh that uh he was they got their guy they got their guy for lap for the la area and then vienna uh remember i was talking about those fibers that they found on a few of the bodies Mm-hmm. Those fibers were from that same scarf that he wore. Mm. So the, it matched the scarf. So they put two and two together. So now they got their best detectives on it. Now they have they have uh, real evidence to lock him in on all these murders. Oh, now they just got to know where he's at. Yeah, now they just... Exactly. <clears throat> so well, what happens next? 
So the next twist is this. J- Jack tells Bianca, hey, the, the jig is up and, uh, you know, stop watching uh, Power Rangers and let's uh, we got to go to. <laughs> she, I mean, the Power Rangers were big back then, you know, yeah, that was, it was the 90s. Yeah. So uh, yeah. she's all go, go Power Rangers. <laughs> like, we got to get out of here. So, uh, so he's so he's thinking <laughs> he's thinking 1980s because you know um, the the 80s the most I guess popular television show in Austria was uh, Miami Vice at the time, mm-hmm. and that was you know him wearing you know because he wore stuff when he was rich he wore those like real tacky white suits with jeans you know <laughs> like like that look it's just you know the, the the sort of like the Grand Theft Auto Miami, mm-hmm. the Miami Vice. Yeah, yeah. So you already know Vi- Vice City. I mean, there you go. Yeah. So he he dressed like that. He's like, you know, I could be my flamboyant self out there. We'll fit in. They won't even know we're in Florida. Like I have no ties to Florida. You don't. And she's like, yeah, but Power Rangers are in are in California, <laughs> right? <laughs> Forget Power Rangers. We're going to Miami. So. They fly from Paris to Miami, and the police have no idea what's going on. They, it looks hopeless, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's just how are they going to find him? He's in Miami. Dude. He's got mm-hmm. no eyes. Well, dumbass just can't stay out of the the media, and um, he gave himself away. He sure did. What an um, idiot! <clears throat> I mean, he's already an idiot. Yeah, he's already an idiot, but. He basically gets Bianca instead of being a sex worker. He's like, "Now, honey, you can make money with your body. You obviously have a rocking hot body, and uh, you know I could pimp you out, and I don't have to work, and you can, you could support me. So uh, why don't you just be a go-go dancer?" And she uh, go-go dancer. Yep. Okay. So basically, she's just at a nightclub, pretty much in a mm-hmm. bra and panties type thing, dancing on a dancing on a pole. Yeah, pretty much. Right. But she's. I guess, you know, I mean, at least it's not sex. You shouldn't have to give yeah. up your body. So I mean, yeah, in a sense. And um, at during the day while she's working or you know, or sleeping, one of the two, um, he's contacting Austrian radio stations trying to give his point of view because his reputation is now ruined. So he's hitting up all these newspapers. He's trying to, like, defend himself. And... Um, the police and the the FBI are like, hey, you know what? Let's let's trick him. Let's offer him money to give us a story, and then we'll find Ooh. out where he's at. So basically, they had they enlisted a very famous uh, reporter for a magazine called Success in Austria, mm-hmm. Gerton Schmidt. And you would think Gerton's like a man's name, but it's that's actually <laughs> a woman's name. So, <laughs> yeah. It was a woman. Yeah, it was a woman. I, I was confused on that one too. I'm like, Gerton, really? Gerton Schmidt. Yeah, Gerton Schmidt. So two like really manly names, and she's like, "Hi." <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, she um, she was told by the police to offer him ten thousand dollars for an interview. Man, that's a lot of money. <clears throat> for ten thousand dollars. Yeah, just for an interview. Supposedly a tell-all interview to explain his side of the story and give him vindication or whatever. So everything he wanted, she was offering him $10,000 and he was like, all right. Like he didn't even, 
<laughs> he didn't even figure like, hey, maybe I'm being set up here. Like all these other agencies told me no, and this one's telling me yes. But he so felt he just, he just, about the money. He just jumped right in. He sure did. Not knowing it was sharks at the bottom. Exactly. This was Detective Geiger's plan. Remember that mm. detective took over the case. Mm -hmm. Everything went good after Geiger took over. Because he had talked to August and he figured out everything and the other detectives, he just took control. So this was his plan. And he offered the, you know, he told her to offer the $10,000 and to wire it to him. So once they found out the wire was going to Miami, Florida, Geiger called the U.S. Marshals and the U.S. Marshals uh, got things together for the next day. Dang. Smart. Yep. Finally. Finally, yeah. So that was on February 28th. Now, February 29th, the MoneyGram was sent to the uh, that MoneyGram location in, in Miami, Florida, like a little uh, grocery store. Mm -hmm. So Jack was paranoid, and he was <laughs> – here's the funny part. He was standing across the street, you know, just trying to look, you know, fit in with his probably like Michael Jackson white hat and, you know, white <laughs> – you know, a white suit jacket with a pink shirt and really, really tight jeans exposing yourself, you know, because it's so tight. You can't, you know, any kind of movement <laughs> and you could see your junk. And uh, he, he's probably got some really, really, uh, what are those shoes from the uh, early 90s? Uh, those boots? Yeah, yeah. He's got some boots, he's like some some designer boots, you know. So he's, he's all pimped out out there and he sends Bianca in there to get the money gram. So... As she's in there in the MoneyGram, <laughs> the U.S. Marshals don't really have their best acting skills going on. They've pretty much taken over the area where he's at, but then they're all dressed in pedestrian clothes. But <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but he's getting like this paranoid feeling, like, "Hey, man, someone's looking at me." He looks over, and there's a guy staring at him. Looks away real quick. You know, as soon as he makes eye contact. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> <It's> so <laughs> So he does that like six or seven times. He looks over at someone. There's like a grandma sitting down. She's like staring at him till he makes eye contact with her. She looks away real quick. He's like, man, these are some cops right here. <laughs> He's all, damn it. They're on Timmy Johnson. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, Bianca comes out, you know, like, because you know she had to get one of those 25 cent bubble gums out of the those little candy dispensers mm -hmm. she's all chewing bubble gum singing go go power rangers <laughs> and uh as she comes out with the money and he's all run and she's just standing there like huh and she doesn't move <laughs> she just like stands there like what are you what are you, what's run and then she sees him run and then she's just still standing there like baby the hotel's that way and then all of a sudden she just gets tackled by like three or four U.S. Marshals in plain clothes. And then they, they chase him down the street and get him like a block later with guns drawn. And he's arrested. Wow. <laughs> so, Well, he is, I will say this, he is very street smart to recognize, you know, he's being watched by grandma. <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah i picture you remember larry johnson for the charlotte Hornets? <laughs> grandmama grandmama yeah i picture like a big buff dude looking like a grandma looking at him with a mustache like uh, you know he didn't He's like mm, that's not normal <laughs> yeah you, you could totally see like the headphones like you know the earplugs in his ear with a little wire. The looking away got me, man. That got me weak. 
Oh man, that was too good though. Like they just had the worst acting skills. Maybe they shouldn't be in that department. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So, in 1992, um, he was extradited back to Vienna, and um, <clears throat> he the uh, the police departments all agreed that he should be tried in Vienna because uh, or in Austria because. Um, all the like in some some countries or whatever if you're convicted of murder in one the charges will be dropped in the other they wanted all these murders to be a part of him so we um, yeah so austrian courts accepted all of those so the lapd and fbi were just called in to testify um on behalf of los angeles but basically their prague and all those other cities were just going to uh uh let Austrians um, convict him. Um, so, so two years later, uh, the trial finally um, sets up with him uh, in, in uh, June or, or uh, in, in 1994. It was in uh, May of 1994, and um, his defense was, you know, he he copped to all the uh, he didn't cop to the murders at first, and he maintained his innocence. But he had written a lot of things down in his um, diaries about, you know, certain things that implicated him. But he, his main defense was, hey, I'm rich. I'm famous. I had women uh, come to me. I've slept with over 150 women. There's no way I would sleep with sex workers. So. Okay. His cockiness was his. Um, basically. His defense. His, yeah. Okay. So, um, and they were like, and he's like, oh, I'm an upstanding person. I think that the police just didn't get me for the first time. They're mad that I got out and they're trying this whole thing on me. He was still trying the manipulation thing. He sure was. And, mm. and some people were scared that it was working. But the thing is, there was just way too much evidence. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, he, he got convicted of nine of the, 12 murders uh there was nine yeah there was 15 total that they attribute to him and they were trying to prosecute for 12 because three they they just didn't have enough evidence but then those three got thrown out because they they could it was mostly circumstantial on those so nine they were able to prove yeah. um so he was acquitted of the other three to six murders yeah, <clears throat> um, and some for some reason, Aust uh, the Austri Austrian Austrian um, courts did not pursue the death penalty. I was about to ask you. I mean, yeah. He did, right? Well, they didn't. What they sentenced him to nine uh, nine life sentences. <laughs> I mean, he got <laughs> and solitary confinement. Yeah, solitary confinement. Yeah, solitary confinement. Uh, nine oh. times. Uh, you know, nine life sentences on uh, June 28th, 1994. He was convicted of that. So how long do you think he spent in jail? Don't tell me. Or, or, Don't do, you tell think, me or do you think uh, he's still alive? I'm going to say he spent two years in jail and then he killed himself. Two years? Okay. Gabby? I don't know if he killed himself. I'm going to guess somebody killed him. But I'm going to go with four years. Four years? Okay. 
Well, you guys are right. He's dead. But uh, the time frame, you gave him way too much time. I mean way too much time. This man did not last 24 hours after his sentencing. What? Yes. What? <clears throat> he was dead in his transfer cell from the courthouse the very next morning. Ugh. He was... They gave him... Uh, sweatpants and a regular shirt and he took the string from his sweatpants tied it around his neck in the same knot that he would kill his victims with and hung himself from his jail cell. Well, I knew he killed himself. I got that right. Dude. That must have been a really strong string. I guess so, right? But I mean... What a freaking coward. Wouldn't you put this guy in suicide watch, man? Or something? Man. Twenty-four hours. Not even twenty-four hours. Ugh. Yep. Okay, I'm really mad. Yeah. So he served no justice. I mean, he's dead. Thank God, but that's still, that's no, still justice. no justice. He didn't get to suffer. Well, yep. I mean, enough. He he hung himself. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he. They did find a note that. When they were going through his stuff prior, that if he was ever caught, he would kill himself. Rather go out by my own hands than the enemy. Mm-hmm. So he's mostly like right now, like he the you know the manipulative murder, um, you know, turned into a serial killer to a freaking international serial killer, and you know he was convicted of nine murders, but uh, most likely it was between twelve and fifteen. That he was responsible for. Well, let's safely say that. I honestly think it's more than that. It could be. Because for a person who wasn't really that cautious, who really didn't care, and who wasn't that noticed when it came to the crimes, then I would think he would do a lot more. Yeah, I'm possibly, uh, you know, I agree with you, especially in the case of he's targeting sex workers. I'm quite sure there are some that haven't been identified or found, you know. So I agree. I think it could yeah, have been more. Those woods, so many could go unnoticed. Absolutely. I totally agree with you guys because, <clears throat> you know, there's, you know, we did the story about the Alaskan serial killer and how he killed um, various sex workers. And a lot of them didn't even know that those people were missing because they came mm-hmm. and went all the time. So there's a strong likelihood that you guys are right that there's probably more bodies out there or maybe they found bodies in different areas, maybe not in Vienna. Maybe he took them other places and, uh, hey, they just weren't attributed to them. They could be cold cases right now still. You never know. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. Or the wrong person might have been convicted. That (laughs) That, Yeah, yeah. No, sad to say, but that could be. Yeah. So this is this was a crazy case, just so many twists and turns. So, so many twists. I wonder what happened to the eighteen-year-old. Yeah, there's really no information on his wife, you know. Um, but is uh, she still standing there? <laughs> well, she got. I know that she did get a little bit of time for it being accessory, but mm-hmm. it was it wasn't nothing. It was like a slap on the wrist. But you know what? But what she, she really know. she didn't know. Yeah. But but he 
she she was told by him that that they're just trying to frame me i need to get out of here so she was still convicted as a as a accessory but she accessory. didn't get much jail time no you know what i i probably wouldn't have convicted her of anything because she was 18 at the time she he took advantage of her manipulated her forced well married her and i wouldn't have given her a jail time she didn't know mm-hmm. but unfortunately i she... guess maybe because um they were looking for him and she was with him the whole time running yeah yeah maybe 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 so she he... didn't know that he was being yeah maybe more. he did tell her like hey you go in there I, i'm being searched i don't think it's yeah maybe okay What's crazy is she wound up doing more jail time than he did. That's the sad part. Yep. Wow. Well, let me ask you guys this question, though. You know, obviously, maybe if it, I'm not going to say if your daughter, but let's just say, you know, it was a relative that was killed by this guy. Would you guys be happy the fact that he died? Because knowing that he would have just got life, he would have been there living out his life in jail. Would not you like want- that. Would you want him to rot, or would you want him to just go out that way? Not like that. Okay. I would, out of the two, I mean, if I had an option, you know what I would want. Oh, yeah. But out of either him dying or rotting, I would want him to rot, because he was going to be confined by himself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I would have wanted that more as punishment than the freaking coward to take himself out. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, you did all this. You didn't give these girls a chance, but you can't even withstand one freaking day and you already kill yourself. Exactly. He he took... He had control of the situation still. He still won. I think Matt's right, too, there. Yeah. That's sad, but I think that is a... It's a a slap in the face to everything, because... You had to wait two years for this man to go to jail or go to go to a court, and he finally goes to court and doesn't even last a day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd rather him rot in jail or now if he was strangled, that would have been different. Yeah, I mean, if he if he, he went out like yeah, if he went out like uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, yeah. If he went out like Dahmer, you know, then I'd be like, okay, hey. Jailhouse justice. Were we saying, Gabby? I'm sorry, I cut you off right there. Didn't you? Yeah, she was talking about all the, you know, mutilation that he she, she would have got. <laughs> she wanted him to get raped, raped, beat, and abused, and then strangled, and he would have got it. That would have been justice, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But unfortunately, for a like few that, years, that would have been justice for me. For two she said a few years, not one time. <laughs> Big Tony will have to, <laughs> yeah. have to get him several times. I would have given him one week per victim of abuse. Ooh. Yeah, it would have been troubling. Yes, sir. Well, yeah, that's the that's the case of Jack Unterberger. All righty. Well, that was part two, and thank you, Todd, for breaking that down. Yeah, I'm angry again. Yeah, that <laughs> it didn't go as we wish it did. And it was definitely a lot of twists, so. Mm-hmm. And a lot of stupidity. And a lot of stupidity. Way. Shout out to that one detective who who knew the whole time. Oh yeah, Gusta. Yeah. Gusta. So, uh, 
ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of the show for tonight. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, just want to briefly let you guys know if you didn't catch it in the beginning, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Type in Grinding True Crime Podcast. You can listen to us on Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, and Pandora. And for our outside of the country listeners, we love you guys. Uh, keep listening to us on Podchaser, Radio Public Breaker, and Pocket Cast. Go to redbubble.com, type in Top Fox 80 for merchandise, and always leave us a five star liking. We will greatly appreciate it. Oh yeah, the Cash App thing too. Oh yeah, the Cash App. Uh, if you guys, if you guys want to donate to the grinds, grinding to crime, uh, we have a Cash App. The Cash App is Cash Dollar Sign Grinding True Crime. That's the Dollar Sign Grinding True Crimes. If you want to donate to Cash App to us, proceeds go to to us to help. Uh, make more production and also probably get us some uh, equipment so that it can sound a little more fresh. So we would appreciate it. Exactly. All, all that being said, this is Maddie Matt. And uh, I'm the, <laughs> not the narrator. <laughs> <laughs> the host of the show is, and the narrator for today is Todd Fox. And the other host of the show, Gabby. And we are signing off. Doodle. Peace. Y'all come back now, you hear? <laughs> <laughs>